This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 76, looking at San Diego Comic-Con 2016, Gotham and DC Movies. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Gilzean on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites, and welcome back, Detectives. It's a long time no listen, uh, and see, and everything else. Mm. Um, we're here giving our recap, our thoughts on some of the Gotham and DC movie highlights of San Diego Comic Con 2016 in this hour 76th episode of Gotham TV Podcast. We were here. A few weeks ago with our 75th, with our round table, um, just looking at and recapping season two of Gotham with our friends over on um, Legends of Gotham. That's right. But we're back here for um, a recap of all the great stuff that happened at San Diego Comic-Con uh, in 2016. Uh, what a huge event um, that it seemed to be. I actually thought it seemed better than last year. It yeah. really did seem to have a lot of stuff, a lot of movies, a lot of TV exclusives, trailers, all just popping from San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, I think it really does uh, truly cement itself. Uh, as the premier Comic Con, uh, when you see what um, news, trailers, events, and that that came out of uh, San Diego this year. Certainly, certainly. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Derek. By the way, uh, in case you haven't uh, haven't been tuned into our podcast, that was John. And of course, I'm one of your hosts, John. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it's been so long. I've forgotten what to, what to do, what to say. It has, hasn't it? Um, but we're here to talk about our first part of our podcast about San Diego Comic Con. And um, this is now known as probably the biggest pop culture event in the world. Uh, they've kind of taken the comic edge off. We're not going to talk about comics in this, otherwise we would be here for about six hours because there was loads of great DC comic news that came out as well, particularly with the rebirth event going on in the DC Comics universe. Uh, so this is part one of the podcast. If you're interested in the rest of the news about the Marvel Universe, we'll be doing that over on our sister podcast, Defenders TV Podcast. You can find that over on iTunes at DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes. So that'll be part two, talking about all the interesting stuff that happened in Marvel. Yeah, but of course, remember, for all things Gotham, all things DC related, you can go over to our website at GothamTVPodcast.com uh, and listen to our podcast. You can also uh, take it down from iTunes. Just go to gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes or search Gotham TV Podcast on any other good podcast catcher. And of course, there's um, Facebook as well as Twitter. And uh, just go to at Gotham TV Podcast for our Twitter handle and facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash I bet you can't guess it. Gotham TV podcast. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And one final one. I know we've given you loads of things to remember there in our opening of our podcast. Uh, one final one, a little project I've been working on is putting together all of our podcasts in one location so you can get everything we've recorded for the last almost two and a bit years, two and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can get them all over on tvpodcastindustries.com. Just search TV Podcast Industries. You should be able to pick up all of our Gotham coverage, all of our coverage of the Marvel TV shows, and all of our coverage of Hannibal, all the movies we've covered from Marvel. Marvel and the DC Universe, all in one handy little website there. So uh, go on over there if you want to get parts one and part two and ca catch up on all of the coverage that we do uh, throughout all the programs we cover. Absolutely. I think with that, we should move on to uh, looking at what Gotham brought to San Diego Comic-Con mm -hmm. uh, this year. There was a, a little bit of a trailer and there was a, a panel. Um, the trailer included mainly a recap of, of season two. Uh, Two with a little sprinkling of season one uh, shots in there as well. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there was also the panel um, and there was a, a couple of um, big interviews that were done by all the cast. And um, I think TV Line was one as well as Entertainment Weekly and E.T. Mm hmm. That's right. Uh, did loads of interviews. So uh, not a huge amount came out of the panel because we unfortunately can't see the whole thing over here. There were some highlights released by Fox in the US. Uh, probably about eight or nine minutes of the actual panel itself was released. Uh, we know that there was at least one of our listeners at the panel itself uh, said it was great fun. What we've basically done is compiled together uh, after looking at loads of the interviews, some of the main points that come out uh, from uh, what's going to happen in season three. Uh, quite an interesting thing that definitely cropped up for me after watching five or six different interviews with all the cast. A lot of the same questions get asked 
unanswered again. So trying to pull out uh, the big pieces of news from that for what we're going to talk about in season three. Um, quite difficult, really. And I probably felt a little bit of sympathy for um, for poor Ben McKenzie, who was taking most of the questions. And uh, to his to his credit, David Mazous as well, who was taking most of the same questions over and over again. Doppelganger. And, uh, and giving similar answers, uh, but making it interesting for themselves, I'm sure. I'm sure they did a hundred more interviews that we didn't get to see. Um, but first off, let's talk about the actual new footage, John. What do you think of the snippets that we got? It was about a minute of footage out of the four and a half minute trailer that was released. Well, I, I think um, the the big tagline that kind of sort of popped into into the the new footage was "All will be judged." And on top of that, we did have that. Um, heroes will fall tagline as mm. well. Uh, and so this was interesting because obviously we had the recap of season two kind of focusing on Jim Gordon descending, uh, into his kind of criminality and falling away from law and order. Bruce Wayne growing up, but also showing Gotham's descent into chaos, both with the rise of the Riddler, uh, the breaking of Penguin by uh, Professor Strange, and his his coming back with Augusto as a more crazy Oswald Cobblepot, mm-hmm. and of course Indian Hill. Uh, and I think then moving on to the September the nineteenth. Um, you know, we saw a whole load of things pop into uh, that footage. Um, we definitely saw Killer Croc, although he did look like Stegosaurus Man uh, <laughs> to me at, at the pharmacy. There was the mascot of one of the the owls. Yeah, that was very cool to see Killer Croc in there because I know that was one of your predictions for season three that we're going to obviously see Killer Croc uh, playing a bigger part. So really cool to get that confirmation just a couple of weeks after you mentioned it. So uh, he does look really scary. Yeah, he really does. Um, Definitely we, wouldn't we, like to be that pharmacist. He gets thrown through the no, window. No, but he gets then. thrown through the window and <laughs> presumably then crushed. Probably, probably. Yeah. Or, yeah. But um, really good to see that. I mean, again, the mask of one of the the owls from the Council of Owls, mm-hmm. the Court of Owls. Um, really good, you know, with yes. a little voiceover of who are you? What do you call yourselves? To the response to which is, uh, what we call ourselves is unimportant. And mm-hmm. um, so this is really probably going to be the big nefarious bad, um, through season three. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see that. And of course, then interspersed amongst those, some of the bigger, um, sort of individual bad guys like Killer Croc, mm-hmm. um, coming in and, and ruining and mixing things up so that was really good um as well yeah yeah really interesting about the court of owls quite like we keep calling them that uh, a lot of people who don't write, read the comic books don't know who the court of owls are um interesting point that they're making here doesn't matter what we call ourselves uh which is quite quite interesting i wonder will they not reveal the name the court of owls in the tv show uh will we get some big reveals during the season of who's involved in the court of owls i think that's been spoken about a little bit that there may be members of uh, of some of the high positions that we've already seen in season one and season two who could be part of the Court of Owls, which is in keeping with comic books. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, it is members of sort of old Gotham, high society, uh, running the show and protecting their interests in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, really good. And obviously we know from season two that, that this resurrection formula that uh, Hugo Strange was working on is a big part of why they have Hugo Strange um, involved in this. Mm-hmm. I think one of the other great things from uh, the new footage was seeing um, Fish Mooney meeting Hugo Strange, Absolutely. seemingly about to wrap her hand around his throat. So that's fantastic that Hugo Strange is going to be back in there um, as the philosopher, as Professor Strange. Really, really cool. He was one of my favourite uh, aspects of, of season two. Such a great character uh, embodied by B.D. Wong. So yeah. that was really cool to see. Absolutely. And the last time they met, he just ran down the corridor f- fleeing from uh, from Fish Moon. Is that right? Definitely. He's terrified of yeah. her already. And it doesn't look like he has a way of getting away from her in this scene. Not at all. And I think one of the other interesting things that we saw slightly earlier in that new footage was that Jim Gordon seemed to be protecting Miss Peabody from someone or oh, yeah. something. So um, what's happened there has... Has she got been divulging information? 
is she being protected from the Court of Owls? Is it um, the creations that have come out from um, Indian Hill? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it some other um, big bad that Jim Gordon is protecting uh, Miss Peabody from? I'm going to hold that one for a minute because that, I think, might be something that's connected to some of the interviews. Because there's just a couple of little other bits that were in the uh, in the trailer as well that I want to uh, catch up on. Um, we definitely see a moment here where uh, Cass... Or Selena Kyle obviously uh, meets Fish Mooney for the first time. A great expression on uh, on Cameron Bicandova's face as she sees uh, the return of her former master, I suppose, in, in a sense, her former boss, uh, as we saw. Former boss, but also a huge influence on yeah. her. I mean, you know, at the end of season one, she's joined Fish's gang. Fish speaks to her. So, you know, it's really interesting to see how those two will connect back together. Will Selena fall into line behind Fish? Or has mm-hmm. Fish changed too much um, and Selena maybe is more wary of her? So it'll be really yeah. interesting to see. Absolutely. It'll be quite cool. I think as well, we do see um, the big new club and lounge, the Sirens, that yes, is going to be run by Tabitha and Barbara um, as they go into business together. So I really like the fact that there is a, a club back in Gotham. I really am glad to see Tabitha uh, still being uh, used uh, as a season regular Absolutely. within Gotham. I think that's really good to see. One of the questions that kind of that raises for me is, will we see uh, Silver St. Cloud back as well? Because at the end of the day, they both jumped out of Galavan Towers um, together. <laughs> yeah, and I would pretty- suspect that, you know, Tabitha did seem to be wanting to protect Silver St. Cloud mm-hmm. from her evil uncle, um, Theo Galavant. So it would be really nice as well to see Silver St. Cloud maybe... A little bit grown up because one of the other things we did find out is that there is a six month time jump. So That's just right. to lay that, um, on the table. So maybe she's, you know, helping out around the club, uh, tending the bar, working behind, um, you know, the stage or something, managing yeah. it or something or helping Tabitha. It'd be really good to see Silver St. Cloud there and as someone of the same age as uh, Bruce Wayne and, and ha- so that he has more than just Selena Kyle to mm-hmm. kind of uh, interact with with peers, I yeah, suppose. absolutely. And uh, that was absolutely the one of the funniest scenes from season two, only surpassed for me by uh, <laughs> by the scene with uh, with Butch and his, uh, and his rocket launcher. Um, I loved that scene as they jumped out of the window. Absolutely hilarious. So yes, it would be great to see if Silver St. Cloud does come back uh, next season. Great to see that we will have Barbara and uh, Tabitha working together. Really cool idea. The other major character from season two, obviously, that we see in the trailer, only a very small amount of him this time, is Oswald Cobblepot, <gasps> as he is being cheered on by a group of people burning what looks to be some body, body bag. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's is really it fish? Mm, maybe. Maybe. Is it one of the creations that they've caught that they've hunted down from it's, Indian Hill? It does sound like a recipe when you say it's fish in a bag on a, on a fire, doesn't it? Yeah, fish. <laughs> Poached <laughs> fish. Maybe, maybe. You never know. Maybe this could be the moment. Uh, what I was really intrigued about is that they've only been filming for about two or three weeks now. Um, I'm, I'm presuming all of this footage wasn't from the first episode. So uh, it's hopefully over the course of a few episodes because there's so much going on here. I'm so quite surprised that, in fact, they're actually this. Uh, already this far into production uh, for the show three or four episodes into the show it looks like definitely and of course my gasp was because I thought you were going to talk about Vicky Vale Mm -hmm. and we see Vicky Vale and of course we don't see Vicky Vale we see Valerie Vale um, and uh, she's taking a snap we don't know uh, what but presumably again it could be something climbing up one of the skyscrapers of Gotham after it's um, come up from the, the sewers Maybe Killer Croc. Maybe she's hunting down all these different um, monstrosities to to really kind of um, you know a, a, as this investigative journalist or, or uh, whatever it is mm. and or whatever role that she's going to have with regards to reporting on these things. Yeah. And um, so that was good to see. And of course, I think then the big thing Absolutely, right yeah. at the end which we've left right to the end of, of our chit chat on gotham is who on earth is alfred fighting in mm-hmm. wayne manor and um, who is the masked man um so yeah that was pretty interesting my theory i thought he had a little knife or or shift um in 
one of his hands. Yes. And definitely. so I wondered whether this was like a precursor to maybe Talon. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the, the Court of Owls had sent this guy into, uh, Wayne Manor. Maybe because the doppelganger has now been found out by Alfred and they're trying to deal and with this whole situation or something like that. But I wondered whether it was a precursor to the Talon or it was the Talon or, or something mm. like that. It's interesting, yeah, that the Court of Owls are definitely already after Bruce. We've seen that in Season 1. They are trying to take him down anyway, that he's definitely a target for them. So uh, really good speculation um, coming out there from people. I think the initial uh, reaction when a lot of people saw the original uh, the original trailer immediately afterwards, I heard people speculating that that character was Corey Michael Smith, that he was, he's the Riddler, but he's just got a mask on. And uh, he does look quite similar. He's got dark hair. He's got a very similar kind of face to him. But when you pause the footage, yeah, it didn't look like him. It's definitely not yeah. Corey Michael Smith. So I think the idea that this is the talent is a really good, really good concept. There was also that he could be the Green Hornet as well. Yeah, I had it in my head just, just because of the style of mask, really, that it could be another yeah, character maybe. from the DC universe, that it could possibly be the Green Hornet, who is in DC Comics universe at the moment some people think that he's not uh, part of the DC universe but he is owned by DC Comics at the moment they can publish uh, parts of him so I think it's an interesting idea because the character crossed over with Batman 66 in that show because the two of them had concurrent TV shows during the 60s and they had a little crossover there so I think it'd be quite fun if they do have the rights for the character to put him into uh, into Gotham. That would be very cool uh, but it certainly looks as though Alfred could be ending up in hospital again I think he might um, and hopefully maybe not with uh, a stab wound but it did look like um, this this masked character did have some kind of sharp implement coming mm-hmm. from uh, his hand and he certainly went for Alfred with uh, a lot of uh, power yes i think definitely well that's all the new footage that was in the trailer itself but obviously in the interviews in the um in the panel itself uh, and across all of those pieces of media that were out there over the course of the last couple of days uh, there's been another couple of bits of speculation and confirmation of things that are going to happen in season three if you don't like spoilers why don't you listen to our podcast? We always talk future spoilers if we can. Uh, but we're going to go into probably some of the major details that came out of those uh, of those interviews. Uh, John, do you want to give us uh, your first one? What's the first one that jumped out at you? Uh, the first thing that jumped out at me was definitely that heroes uh, will fall and that heroes will go through issues. And that's what they said. Um, and that these lines between good and bad, which we kind of got a hint at with Jim Gordon in season two, are going to get blurred even further. And notably from that, um, it was that it seems like Captain Barnes, thankfully, again, is back. There were, Michael Chiklis was there mm-hmm. uh, on the panel uh, in the interviews. So it was really good to see that he's going to come back. But he indicated that his character is going to change radically. Um is that for, and I presume that can only be for, for the worse in, in some, uh, respects, but mm-hmm. he's going to change radically. And, uh, David Mazous as well also indicated that, um, that the doppelganger is going to get twisted and will not start out bad, but will get twisted mm-hmm. and will fall, you know, in, and descend into darkness into evil yeah um so that this is a really interesting thing to see how all the heroes are are going to have issues mm-hmm. and i think this links in with what um ben mckenzie said about his character jim gordon that he will become another iconic character that was fascinating uh, fast yeah really fascinating although i did think maybe it was that he went from detective gordon to captain gordon and <laughs> um, that iconic character where he changes uh, through promotion uh, in the gcpd it could simply be that but at the same time he does indicate that he takes on a persona of a different character yes, yes. and i thought that was really interesting there's so much um, in, there's so much in the way that he said it as well so he said he said yours truly will be taking on the persona of another dc uh character that could be very easily that he comes back as clayface in season three uh, he comes back as the Jim Gordon version of Clay's face that we see. It could be, he could be just talking like that. He said it was towards the end of season three and most of the rest of the cast, to their credit, said this seems like a bit of a shock to us. We don't even know about that, that bit or that reveal. Um, it could be something as playful and as simple as that that Jim, that he was trying to, uh, trying to kind of build up the hype for. 
But it could be something much bigger. We could be missing something here. There are so many vigilantes in the DC universe that he could be ta- putting on a mask and playing the part of another vigilante uh, as he goes into doing darker and darker th- things throughout season three. Yeah, and I think it links into another thing where there could be a connection here, and this is my one of my other aspects, is that the Mad Hatter, played oh, yes. by Benedict Samuel from The Walking Dead, he was one of the wolves, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um that uh, apparently the, the cast were really positive about what he's bringing to that role. But we got a little few snippets from Ben McKenzie to say that he was a powerful hypnotist, that he's into mind control to implant dark thoughts to control other people through hypnotism. So mm-hmm. that's um, maybe another aspect um, that could influence uh, what Ben McKenzie said about his character of Jim Gordon changing into something else. Yeah. Or maybe he simply just makes chicken noises. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Is there a chicken in the, in the DC universe? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Um, yeah, there was some really other interesting stuff in there. Obviously, we mentioned that Barbara and uh, Tabitha are going to be running a running a club. Thought that was pretty cool. The uh, Barnes uh, moment that's actually going to be the change to him that's going to happen around episode four of the season. We're going to have a couple of episodes as he gets back to grips of being captain in the in the GCPD, and then there's going to be a big change for the character. Uh, quite interesting. One of the other ones I really liked was Sean Pertwee mentioning that. Um, that we're going to see a lot more from Chris Chalk as Lucius Fox in this season. Um, the two of them are going to become uh, kind of like the two main mentors for Bruce as he's kind of lost that connection with Jim Gordon now that the two of them are going to be providing his development training. Which is excellent. Season. Really excellent. Yeah. And we look the, forward to seeing um, more of Chris Chalk. Back. Yeah, and Lucius Fox um, is going to be certainly developing a lot of gadgets apparently as well. Mm. Um, is something that came out from, I think it was the TV line, um, uh, interviews that they had, and that came from Alfred as well. Very cool, very cool. Uh, another one of the big ones, big reveals. We do not see Leslie and Jim getting back together. Uh, <gasps> Leslie is in a new relationship. And they look so good together. They did, they did. But we will have a new love interest for Jim Gordon, which yeah. seems... And Leslie. Yes. They will be... Um, swanning off in different directions mm-hmm. to to um mate and uh and find their new love <laughs> and it looks like jim gordon's new love interest will be valerie vale so uh quite interesting there uh looking forward to seeing a bit of that uh so it looks like jim's getting a bit of a reputation uh in the precinct really um and i mean look season three and he's already moved on to his third um big, woman yeah big relationship yeah, yeah so um you know, Jim is certainly making his way through the ladies of Gotham. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the final little bit that I want to talk about is just a little bit of a mention of uh, Poison Ivy, the new character that's going to be coming into the show, uh, that we will obviously be seeing some of Claire Foley as she transforms into a five-year-older version of her character. A nice little mention from Cameron Beacondova that um, what's What's going to happen here is that their relationship is going to change quite considerably because of the, uh, I suppose, the change in body of um, of Poison Ivy. Um, she's not going to have any superpowers as such. She will continue her horticultural ways. Um, but that uh, dynamic between the two characters where uh, Kat was always leading her um, and always being the one to tell her what to do, that dynamic is going to change and flip probably the other way around, uh, which is quite interesting. I'm interested to see what they're going to do with this character uh, in, in season in season three and one final one just to mention it i don't think it comes as any surprise at all but there was obviously there is going to be an arc for edward nigma as he gets darker and darker and goes more towards riddler and he'll be working much more with oswald in season three and that's no surprise the fans have been crying out for the two of them to get more scenes together we loved their scenes together in season two uh, thought there was some of the fun most fun scenes in the season uh, and as as um robin lord taylor described these two characters have now lost everything that belongs to them in their lives. The only two people they can actually trust are each other. So, of course, they're going to depend on each other and work together. So, uh, looking forward to seeing a bit more, a bit more uh, Nick Mobblepot in season three. Definitely, and I mean, with everything going on, it'll be really interesting to see how much they're at the fore, or maybe whether you know they do take some um, kind of a, a sort of a back seat in, mm. in proceedings. And again, this relationship maybe is drawn out, uh, is is much more discreet within it. The, the season three because I, I know one of our um one of the, one of um our listeners who gave feedback um on the last season was that you know this idea of having to have Oswald Cobblepot in every episode and um, sometimes seems forced or it maybe crams 
uh, Oswald into every episode for for better or for worse, mm-hmm. uh, and that maybe you know there would be some realignment as to the amount of screen time. I mean, he's still one of the big characters, so obviously he's. It's not like it's going to be to nothing, but uh, that maybe um, you know now that we've got. Uh, Valerie Vale. We've got all the Indian Hill uh, monsters that have um, been released. We've still got um, Firefly uh, and Victor Fry's around. Mm. There's the Mad Hatter, potentially Jerome Fish. I mean, there's a huge ensemble cast here um, for populating this third season. Absolutely. As we've said, it is the city of Gotham they're covering. So there is, uh, there is loads going on and loads of characters. Uh, one more just popped into my head. There's so many interviews and there's so many little bits and pieces. One final thing just popped into my head about, about the show. Um, in season three, Jim Gordon may be a bit of a bounty hunter in the, at the start of season three. There's been a gaff about six months. I couldn't tell whether Ben McKenzie was joking about it or not, but effectively he'd be going out chasing the monsters that were released from Indian Hill for payment. So, uh, no longer police officer. As we saw, he didn't come, didn't return to the GCPD at the end of season two. So, uh, so either he was joking. Or this could be a little spoiler for the start like, of season three. Uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> like Dog the Bounty Hunter, exactly. 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 <laughs> uh, John, is that it on Gotham? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, really looking forward to season three. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, again, I think Gotham does ensemble really, really well. And certainly there are plenty of um, characters to get involved in season three. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it, it shows you that when there are... Uh, 10 people from Gotham, from the cast uh, and creators uh, attending uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So yeah. really, really cool to see. Absolutely. I must admit, I didn't really expect a huge amount out of the Gotham panel at the at the convention. It's only 50 minutes long uh, and having 10 members of the cast, plus John Stevens and Danny Cannon at the event. Um, I kind of just wasn't expecting that they'd be able to get as much out of them. They're only a couple of weeks into filming and only getting a few scripts in in the last month, really. So uh, really delighted by how much we got from the from the panel that did a great job yeah absolutely so i think moving on to the dc movies oh, yeah. uh, and the trailers that were were released uh in san diego this year um and i think first up um for me anyway is uh wonder woman oh, trailer yes. yeah. um this um i love the tagline power grace wisdom wonder um and and i think for me this um after the Doctor Strange trailer 2, which I obviously was my favourite. I'm a huge fan of that character. Uh Wonder Woman, I know less about, apart from obviously the TV show. I remember that from the 80s. But this, to me, was just gorgeous. I actually really am looking forward um, to to this being released. Um, This was a fabulous trailer for me. Um, I really can't express how much I loved its visual. I just thought it was so rich and luscious, gorgeous. Um, I, I loved the setting with regards to World War One. Mm. Um, you know, the biplanes, the trenches, um, some some of the, you know, some some iconic uh moments or scenes or just images immediately from just this trailer. I mean. I thought that um, Gal Gadot uh, or Wonder Woman with her dress in, in, in sort of kind of the, the ballroom where she's kind of walking towards uh, Danny Houston's character uh, dressed in a German military uniform um, and her dress with the sword that's kind of running the length of her spine oh, is fabulous. amazing. Um, I thought that the lady with the, the cracked face mask or, or whatever it was uh, just looked awesome and absolutely iconic. I think that's Eleanor Anaya. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I, I kind of guess that that was her. I don't know what her character is. Um, and then, to be honest, you know, there were so many people when they first released the the stills and images of of, of uh, Wonder Woman at last year's San Diego Comic Con, where they were saying, "Well, it's not red, blue, and gold, uh, and all that." And here we have her armor in red, blue, and gold um, in the trenches. Mm. And I just thought it was fantastic. It shimmered 
the, these blues and reds and, and golds, the lasso of truth with the gold as well. Yeah, yeah. So iconic. Again, visually just amazing. And I mean, it just action, action, action mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. I just thought this was awesome. I oh. loved it. Absolutely, yeah. Loved this trailer. Really, really enjoyable. Great to see Chris Pine in there. Uh, love, Definitely. Love him as Captain Kirk, even though I always call him Chris Pike because I'm a, a Star Trek fan. Um, <laughs> always get his name confused. Uh, loved him in here. He looks like he's adding the the extra extra bit of humor. Uh, one of the fun things that came out of the panel was that they wanted to cast a, an actor that could stand alongside Wonder Woman uh, and not look like a shrinking violet, not look like the sidekick, be able to stand back and go, what you did there was awesome. That was really cool. You know, and be also able to jump in the trenches with her and fight alongside her and um, they didn't want to have a subservient sidekick which i think is a great choice in in this absolutely i loved kind of obviously how he's introduced to wonder woman there he's obviously crash landed on their island yes. paradise um, and she's obviously sees him uh washed up on the beach there um and fantastic yeah. um Obviously, I think we get little glimpses as well of um, soldiers attacking that island paradise. And mm-hmm. um, I'd love to know what Danny Houston's um, character is. It, you know, is he a, like an artifact hunter in the same way that you've kind of had in the Indiana Jones uh, movies, where he's trying to uh, find this ancient lost civilization that are linked to the gods of of ancient Greece mm. and, and all this? Um, and uh, obviously, we see the them attacking her island home and i think it's robin wright who's leading the defense of um of uh the amazon island home really um yeah i think she's cast as like a woman general uh of of the the ladies um so i i'm sure it was her and i i'm I just really thought that was great. I think she's on horseback charging out, but some amazing visuals. So it was a really good thing as well. Like the, the Wonder Woman theme with all the drums beating and, and it moves into and turns into the rat-a-tat-tat of the machine guns in, in the trench. And I just thought that was a superb touch for um, the trailer to have that, that kind of little motif just running through uh, the music of the trailer. Uh, I presume it's part of the actual score or something still. I'm not entirely sure, but mm. really nice sort of thoughtfulness to this trailer. So it, for me... This was a really superb trailer yeah. and really has gotten me um, so interested and excited for, for the Wonder Woman film. Sorry, more excited, I yeah. should say. Yeah, absolutely. What really stands out for me is that I was so excited coming out of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. You can hear our coverage of that film um, back on our free, one of our previous episodes. Uh, so excited about the character of Wonder Woman. This has really amped up my excitement. I didn't expect this to be one of the trailers that stood out above everything else that we saw from the convention really did. And it's going to answer that that question uh, that was kind of posed during the film where she says, um, I did come out of hiding in the past. I came out about 100 years ago and then I went back in. So that's kind of the question that needs to be answered. Why would Wonder Woman leave the island paradise or Paradise Island as it's known in the comic books? Uh, why would she leave that, come to fight alongside the Americans or the uh, the allies in World War One, and then retreat back to Paradise Island afterwards. I think the keys are the name of the fact that it's Paradise Island, but uh, we will find this out when the movie comes out next year. Really looking forward to seeing it. Definitely. Um, and to be honest, my third favourite trailer was the Justice League trailer. Um, this was really unexpected and, for me, hugely welcome. I thought it was excellent. Totally. I, I was really surprised with this trailer being there. I just didn't expect it. I know that we've got a Justice League Part 1 and 2 coming up uh, in next year as Part 1 comes out, I think, towards the end of next year. I just wasn't expecting the trailer to be released uh, so so early in and to, to look so complete. There's so much going on in this trailer. Um, I love that we have got... Uh, our Ben Affleck Batman uh, going round rounding up the metahumans here. Uh, his meeting with Aquaman, um, Jason Momoa, is I think fascinating. I love that they've got this uh, this character who, who's kind of a sea dog, effectively sitting in a bar uh, drinking. Uh, there's a great moment with uh, with Jason Momoa downing an entire bottle of whiskey and just smashing it on the ground. Uh, really cool little moment there. Uh, but he's kind of, uh, the Batman is kind of the, I guess, Nick Fury of the DC universe, if we're going to make one Marvel uh, connection here. <laughs> um, 
and I like that. I think the the moment of uh, of the two of them meeting really interesting. There's a lot of connections in the past in the Justice League that obviously Superman and Batman are the ones that set up the Justice League. They're the very much the center of it. Uh, it looks like this version is going to be Superman and Wonder Woman are going to be the main centers of this. They uh, they started that charge off, I suppose, at the end of uh, Batman v Superman uh, to go out and find the metahumans. Um, so we have obviously got our Aquaman who looks really strong, really powerful and really interested in that. And then we've got our comedy character. We've got The Flash who is played by Ezra Miller and he's an absolute standout of this footage. Oh, big he's time. Absolutely great. Love the moment of uh, the meeting going, um, Barry Allen, I'm Bruce Wayne. And he goes, um, you're saying that like that's supposed to explain why an unknown stranger is sitting in my apartment <laughs> in my most secret of places. In uh, his second favourite chair. <laughs> exactly. Really cool. Uh, and then we see the powers manifest themselves. We see as Batman throws his uh, his batarang at him, uh, it's caught in midair by Flash, who has that moment of realisation because he can slow down time. He's watching everything that's going on and he goes, okay, this is Batman. Right? Batman's in my house. Right, I better catch this and stop this in the air. And then goes, that was pretty cool. Can I keep it? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love this. I I'm, yeah. I thought um, Ezra Miller, like the amount of nerdy goofiness, but also just that innocence as well of the character uh-huh. that he brought. Uh, dare I say it, DC's Spider-Man. Um, really... One Marvel comparison. No, I know. Well, I'm... Yeah, one for you, one for me. Okay. Um, and I just loved the take on it. It felt absolutely spot on yeah. to me. And, and maybe that's because we've been given such a great introduction to this character. Because I have to say, until the CW TV show, I wouldn't have known the Flash that that much and, right. and to be honest um you know the portrayal of barry allen in that uh, has really helped me to get to understand that character and actually get to really like the character and mm-hmm. i think seeing ezra miller's take on it you know i had some expectation and they were absolutely met here um i just thought it was so good um as i say just the look on his face as he sees that it's the batarang going past him and he looks back at bruce wayne and uh, was fantastic mm-hmm. um and, you know, I, I do really, really like Ben Affleck's take as, as Bruce Wayne, you know, so you're fast. And like, he's there just going, well, that feels like an oversimplification. And <laughs> it's just so, so good. You yeah. know, I'm in stop right there. Um, you know, I, I need be, to make friends. All friends. this kind of stuff yeah. just is absolutely really 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 cool absolutely and it feels like something very necessary for the dc universe of movies right now we need a bit of humor in there we need uh, some characters that can have a bit of banter with each other these are all metahumans they're all on the same kind of level of powers um it, it'll be nice to have a bit more banter we saw some in uh, in batman v superman a bit more than we'd seen in some of the other uh, dc universe movies so i'm hoping that we can see a little bit more lightness of touch uh, barry allen looks to be the one that's providing a lot of the kind of sense of humor here there's definitely some good interplay there between um between batman and um, wonder woman as well some comedy there between uh, the fact that um aquaman doesn't want to join this team like that that concept as well uh, lots of good footage in here it's something that, and as, as i say considering the movie's not out for over a year and a half i wasn't expecting this much absolutely i mean as you say i, I think um you know aquaman just looked intriguing mm. um i love the fact that they got in you know i hear you can talk to fish and the <laughs> sly look from from uh bruce wayne to arthur curry i wonder whether that's amnesty bay which is where um aquaman is it normally is mm-hmm. um i did at one moment think well he talks to fish and he obviously brings them in to get captured by the humans in their nets right. that they can have the their winter food at the start but i loved um I loved his take, and certainly that shot of him being uh, enveloped in the waves that are crashing cool. uh, against the pier, or, or, or you know, it's just amazing. I thought that was a really cool uh, shot. I'm really looking forward to seeing what um, Jason Momoa brings here, and maybe, just maybe, Aquaman looks like he might outbrood uh, Batman. Maybe, maybe. So, unfortunately, I think. Uh in this particular trailer, Cyborg um, is probably a bit underserved. We only saw him for a moment in there with a little comment to Batman. Um, I think that's partially because I'd say the character is quite heavily CGI'd. So yeah. um, given 
uh, his the apparatus that's been attached to him. Um, so we may see much more of him as we come. Uh, but come but there the is movie. a little shot of him, obviously some maybe some kind of flashback where um, he's fully human before he's been turned into cyborg, right. um, where he's Victor Stone. So um, I was he had a Gotham City University uh, jacket on as well. So that's an go. interesting little touch. But yeah, he was definitely the least developed within that trailer. But again, yeah, it's probably just the amount of CGI requires mm-hmm. um, to to do that. And also, you know, we have. Uh, the the talk of the enemy is coming. We see the box being buried, uh, dark side, and, and is it Steppenwolf and all that that we saw at the end of uh, Batman? Ooh, Steppenwolf. Yes. The uh, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. He's there at the end with three of those boxes mm-hmm. um, in his hand, and we see the one obviously um, being buried. And that this is you know an enemy is coming. We're looking for. For warriors, we're building uh, an alliance. Mm-hmm. So uh, Dark Side uh, is probably approaching. Maybe, maybe, but um, in part two, probably. Yes, yes. Well, we got loads to uh, got loads to go before before then. Uh, one last thing about the trailer uh, should be pointed out: we've got a new bat suit. Um, we don't have the black and grey bat suit that we saw in uh, Batman v Superman. I think that was te- that was put through its paces quite considerably uh, during that film. So we have a black bat suit again, uh, quite interesting. And the other one uh, that's in there that we see uh, probably the most is uh, the Flash uh, costume, which is a much more armored costume than we're used to seeing uh, in our TV version of of uh, the Flash. So uh, I think this looks to be taking a bit of cues from the uh, the upcoming Injustice: Gods Among Us two video game where a lot of the characters are getting much more armoured outfits uh, I'm sure some of our comic book reader listeners uh, will correct me on that I'm sure there's probably some armoured versions in the comic books as well but uh, that's what stood out to me it seemed to be very similar to the kind of outfits we're seeing in the in the footage for that for that game that's coming up uh, John, Justice League excited? Absolutely this was my third favourite trailer absolutely and I mean it was really close to Wonder Woman um, and to be honest if Doctor Strange hadn't been there um, both of these would have been like right up there mm-hmm. um, as my favourites um, definitely. Cool yeah me too this is uh, this is kind of blowing me away that, there's so, that they've got a good vibe about this uh, definitely um, for the right crowd as well the crowd were going wild for this trailer uh, really exciting I think it's time to get on to our final trailer. Um, we're not going to talk about this one too much because we have talked about it a little bit before and we will be covering the movie in a very short number of weeks. Um, but there was a final, final trailer. I think there's been about six final, final trailers for The Suicide Squad. Uh, this one was kind of the remix to the soundtrack. So uh, all the songs you heard, and I think there was three songs, uh, are all big songs that are um, that are on the soundtrack. Uh, there wasn't a huge amount of extra stuff in here, but lots of stuff that, uh, that kind of developed the characters a bit more. Uh, getting to see some of the other characters, like Captain Boomerang, the Australian. Australian, uh, played by Jai Courtney, uh, who gets a lot more to do in this uh, in, in in these scenes. So I have a much better sense of him uh, through this trailer than I had through any of the previous trailers. Really, uh, I think he's got a good little uh, good little vibe about him, good little um, kind of. Uh, background jokes going on. Um, I felt the last couple of trailers have focused a lot on Harley Quinn. Um, and I think it's nice to see a little bit spread out amongst the rest of the characters. I still think she's going to absolutely steal the film when it comes out. Uh, but nice to see it spread out amongst the other characters. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when, when I first saw this trailer, um, it, it's still one of those things. All the three trailers of Suicide Squad so far have really still um, got me feeling as though I'm not really sure what to expect from this film. Mm. In some ways, I quite like that because it means I'm actually just looking forward to the 5th of August to go and see it and see what they bring. Yeah. Um, but the things I absolutely loved... Um, is again Harley Quinn, uh, Margot Robbie. I mean, she just leaps from the screen Absolutely. for me, and even with the small amount that she has, fantastic. And I have to say, Captain Boomerang, Jai Courtney, like he just seemed really. I love the lightness of his character, the craziness, the zaniness, the kookiness of it. Like the whole, uh, you're the fireman, you know, as he lights his zippo, and you know. I've got fire. I've got fire. Ooh, and all. The, I mean, just great. I love that. You know, the drinking whilst they're on the mission. Um, he's just kind of seems really well suited to that character. And um, you know, seeing the Joker again, I'm really intrigued to yes, see. Absolutely. Um, 
what uh, 30 Seconds to Mars brings to um, the the character of the Joker. <laughs> you can call him Jared Leto. I know He's I can. Oscar winning actor. Oscar winner 30 Seconds uh, to <laughs> Mars. Um, I really can't wait to see what he does with the character and how that works. And, and maybe that's part of the reason why I'm just... I'm not entirely sure I've understood what the film is about because he's in there, he's such an iconic character, and Batman's not there. And there's just the Suicide Squad. I know Batman is in there. Yes, he the is. Batmobile yes. is in there, but to what extent? And that's what I'm saying. I, I think they're not showing a lot because maybe there's more to this film than just the Suicide Squad. And yep. maybe a lot more. Maybe they're more integral than we think looking at the 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 trailers and mm-hmm. um, i love that that batman again it seems slimmer less beefcakey mm-hmm. so i'm wondering is this back in the past or is it concurrent with um batman v superman dawn of justice because the 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 batman that seems to kind of sort of glide towards i think it's the joker does seem a much mm-hmm. more slimline version of of the character. I even wondered whether it actually was Batman or whether it was some kind of perverted or twisted version of <laughs> of the bat done by the the big bad here, which I'm not entirely sure I know who it is. But other than the fact that, that he's creating a swirling ring of trash, yeah, uh, which I did like that line from uh, <laughs> from Will Smith. Yeah, yeah, from Will Smith. I, I really like that line, definitely. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, um, definitely there's going to be Batman in here. I do think it's just a scene. I think it's just him chasing down the Joker. I think it's probably quite early on in the film. Uh, there has been some criticism leveled at the other trailers. It's not just, uh, it's not just yourself. Um, there has been some criticism leveled at the fact that we don't know who the big bad is and that would probably help. Um, sell the film what they are selling the film on is these six characters and their abilities and who they are as bad guys and the fact that they are bad guys being used by the government to chase something down um, we haven't seen a big story trailer that's saying why you go to them when you have metahumans that can do this um, you know well, that will all be explained in the film I'm sure but uh, it doesn't seem to have been made very clear in the trailers yeah I mean Amanda Waller um, you know she's kind of in a bunker with all the generals and she does kind of like She's saying the next war will be fought with these metahumans, whether it's in our wars or their wars. And and whatever this big bad is, you, you see kind of a train run through him or he can run through the train. Like he can, maybe he's an interdimensional beast, hence mm. the lights and the swirling uh, trash cloud. Um, but also seems to have sort of long... I don't know, tongue or limbs or something that seems to be pulling things from the sky. So yeah, it's difficult to know exactly what the character is, mm-hmm. um, to be honest, for me. Um, so I can't wait really just to see it. Um, I, I don't think the trailers have made me excited for it, but I'm intrigued to see what they do with it because it's got these iconic characters from the comics, from previous films, but also from like, you know, the, the games, um, yeah. the Arkham, the Arkham Asylum games mm-hmm. and so on. You know? Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see uh, what's going to happen in Suicide Squad. I feel like I've, because probably because we've focused on so much of the TV universe of the, of, uh, of the DC universe and the TV universe is Marvel. I've kind of missed out on probably an in-depth analysis. If this was the only film that was coming out this year in the superhero realm, I'd probably know a lot more about it. Uh, I'd probably have investigated it a bit more, but I'm kind of happy that I'm going to be going into it in a couple of weeks' time without that knowledge exactly what's going to happen in the end. So looking forward to it, though, just a couple of weeks away, and we will be covering it in full on Gotham TV podcast. Um, That's it for the overall San Diego Comic-Con, but it wouldn't be our show if we didn't do five points. So, uh, So we've had four things to talk about. One last thing, John. What's the other thing that stood out to you that's not DC Comics related and not Marvel Comics related? It isn't, but it does have a connection. Okay, what is it? Sherlock, season four. Um, the panel looked to be really cool. First uh-huh. of all, Benedict Cumberbatch, um, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he was there, Mark Gattis was there, uh, Stephen Moffat. And I mean, it, it was just really, uh, kind of nicely done. You know, they were talking about the changing of, uh, Sherlock's coat and that Stephen Moffat won't allow, um, them to change Sherlock's coat. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was, uh, the guy from Nerdist, Chris Hardwick, who said, yeah, but you change the, the, the police box every year with Doctor Who. And like Stephen Moffat was going, no, just the inside. They can change the lining of the coat then, mm-hmm. but not the outside of the coat. <laughs> the outside of the coat remains the same, like the yeah. TARDIS. And it's kind of like that um you know 
all this talk of there potentially being crossovers between um Doctor Who and Sherlock and you know they're all saying well it's all the characters don't want the crossover. Mm-hmm. But Stephen Moffat's up for it. And I'm not too sure I believe that, but yeah. this was a really cool little panel. Absolutely, yeah. It's pretty much been confirmed this is the final season that we will see of Sherlock. Uh, they do only do about three episodes, but they are three kind of movie-length episodes uh, with lots going on in them. They seem to take a lot of time planning them out to make sure uh, that they're really, really good. So, um, But because of Benedict Cumberbatch being on the rise in things like Doctor Strange and because of Martin Freeman being on the rise in the Marvel Universe now, he's got a, got a character over there. He's had The Hobbit. He's got loads of stuff going on. I think Fargo Season 1 he was in as well. So uh, because of getting those two characters back together for um, whatever it is, eight or ten weeks to film uh, a couple of episodes of this show. Uh, they're not going to be able to do it indefinitely. So they sounds like they really want to go out with a bang. Uh, I did like the comment to by Benedict Cumberbatch to Mark Gaitis where he's saying, we have one final scene to shoot. It's the biggest scene and it's got about 30 lines of dialogue for me and I'm shooting it on Tuesday after doing the Doctor Strange panel and the Sherlock panel at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, what a way to go out uh, effectively. Um, but yeah, really Absolutely. excited about that too. And they was kind of saying that it was going to be quite dark. I think these scripts are quite dark. The, mm-hmm. the three episodes, um, it's being taken to a really um, deep, dark place. So it'll be interesting to see what stories uh, that they they pull from Arthur Conan Doyle's mm-hmm. um, books. You know, what new stuff they add to it, um, and will we see? Um, Moriarty again. I really, really hope so. <laughs> you never know, but I'm not sure they can bring him back again. Absolutely. But I think with that, that's the end of our Gotham and DC Movies uh, part one podcast for San Diego Comic-Con. Of course, talking all things Benedict Cumberbatch, this will lead us into um, our part two coverage of San Diego Comic-Con mm-hmm. 2016, which will be all things related to the Marvel Netflix shows and, of course, uh, the absolute biggest Marvel film to date, which will be Doctor Strange uh, <laughs> coming out in October in uh, Europe and the UK and obviously November in uh, the US and Canada. But of course, um, for all things to do with Gotham TV podcast, please um, subscribe, review uh, and listen to us over on gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes or search any um good or bad podcast catcher for Gotham TV Podcast. Mm-hmm. And come join us over on Defenders TV Podcast for our Marvel coverage. But finally, uh, I want to go out with a couple of pieces of feedback from uh, from our listeners over in our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Gotham TV Podcast. Come join us over there. Uh, ben Rush says, this was the most successful San Diego Comic-Con for DC ever, film and TV-wise. Totally agree with them. There's so much going on this time uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, it's been... Uh, they've never had this many movies to be able to talk about at San Diego Comic-Con. I think the last time would have been with one of the Batman films that Christopher Nolan did, and I don't think they would have had a huge presence at at the convention at the time. Annalise says, as someone who attended the con, it was great to have all, minus Donald, of the cast in attendance. It made for a very lively and fun panel, but also very hard to include all of them, as the panel was only scheduled for 50 minutes, uh, counting the five-minute video at the beginning. Uh, yeah, I did notice one character, or one actor, was left out almost every single time, and that's unfortunately Drew Powell, um, who became King of Gotham in season two, but not very many questions were aimed his way uh, at the panels uh, this time or at the interviews, unfortunately. Um, I'd love to have heard what's going to be happening between himself and Oswald. There's some rumors that there's going to be a potential jump to power or jump to higher power yeah. for Oswald in season in season three, uh, which I presume means we're going to have Butch and Oswald back together again, um, working for that uh, mayoral office, perhaps, uh, in Gotham. Uh, Claire Payne says the coverage I saw on Twitter, YouTube and Facebook was excellent and of course Cameron Beacondova using Periscope whenever she could gave you access to how excited she was to be there and the rest of the Gotham cast. I would like to see the full panel interview at some point. Gotham Season 3 sounds very exciting and moving in the right direction. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens uh, to Captain Barnes especially as this is why Michael Chicks has agreed to do Gotham. Uh, not 100% sure about Jim being a bounty hunter so I was correct he did say that in one of the interviews. Um, back to Claire, she says, I'm confident all would become clear in the character development. Uh, Barbara, Tabitha, Butch, Oswald, Enigma, Selina, Bruce, Lucius, Alfred and the Court of Owls 
bring it all on. All sounds very cool. Film trailers were excellent. Wonder Woman being my favorite. Then Doctor Strange. It looked like a very successful Comic-Con for DC in particular. Uh, yep, can't, can't agree more with you, Claire. That's pretty much uh, everything we've, we've talked about. And our final piece of feedback comes from Jason Wiley, who says, I think DC outdid Marvel. Oh, Jason, the uh, um, being uh, controversial. Mm. Yeah, we don't normally get into a DC versus Marvel discussion on our podcast. No, we, we do don't. separate them. We do, but, uh, but and we a- like both I mean, an elements of each more. Mm-hmm. But I think the fact that they had Doctor Strange <laughs> um, being uh, released this year, and that I was always going to be Marvel at this San Diego Comic Con. I don't know how many times I've watched the trailer. Well, come on over to DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes if you listen to iTunes to hear our thoughts about the Marvel presence at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. And maybe we'll have a decision at the end of that podcast as to who won. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I think that's all we've got. We will be back for Suicide Squad um, after its release on August the 5th. But I think with with that, um, that's all from us. Uh, we're just going to leave you with... Um, a new track from uh, my friend Oliver MacDonald. Uh, he does the intro and outro music for Gotham TV Podcast and, of course, for Defenders TV Podcast as well. Mm-hmm. And so we want to leave you with um, his new single, um, This Old City, from Mississippi MacDonald and the Cottonmouth Kings. Enjoy, and if you want to find um, any of his music, go over to MississippiMcDonald.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, his latest album was in the top 10 of blues albums in the UK. That's right, that's so, right. So, uh, really good. And this song, This Old City, was inspired by Gotham and the uh, and the tune he created for this particular podcast, yeah. wasn't it? So, after listening to our dulcet tones, um, I absolutely uh, hope you listen to um, Mississippi McDonald's dulcet tones. Talk to you again soon. Bye.
Being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby.